Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Johnny McGonigal. Penn State football fans, how are you? I'm Bob Flounders, joined by Johnny McGonigal. Johnny, we were talking about the NFL draft earlier in the week and where the guys where the guys landed what were the good fits what we liked about it perfect time right we're still thinking about the draft a little bit let's just get into the 2024 draft because i've been looking at it for a couple of months now and you know anything could happen uh but if these guys are all healthy and you know ready to go and they have a good season there's going to be more than six people go in next year's draft i'm i'm pretty confident in that and it could be double digits so I think it's going to be really, really fun. And it's going to be in Detroit, so we might just have to cruise on out there. But anyway, I just think that Penn State fans probably aren't thinking about it now, but once we put the bug in their ear about, hey, this could re- this could be James Franklin's best Penn State draft in terms of volume. And I know we probably jinxed Joey Porter out of the first round, but as we sit here, Johnny, there's a couple guys that could we, you could make a case for going in round one in 2024. At the very least, though, you look at both sides of the ball, there are a lot of draftable players on this Penn State team for next year. Yeah, you talk about Jinx and Joey Porter Jr., like the amount of times that I wrote, you know, over the last couple of months of like, he's expected to become Penn State's first ever first defensive back. I feel like I am partially responsible for that jinx. Um, this past weekend's draft, the 2023 draft, we discussed that in full on our last podcast. So if anyone is listening now and wants to also hear us talk about Joey and uh, Jair Brown, Juice Grug, Sean Clifford covered that all on on Tuesday's podcast. But this one, firmly about the 2024 guys and boy, like there's a lot of them. And you know, we can start at the top uh, in terms of the, the first round potential that they have. I mean, they really, yeah, again, it's way far out. We're we're looking at this now, 11 months ahead of time. So a lot can change. Why not? Yeah, you know, for the better and and for the worse for, for for these guys and for teams and needs and all that. But boy, does Olu Fashanu look and seem like a first round lock right now. A lot of, a lot of uh, teams uh, would, would love an Olufashanu on their roster right now. Like, I mean, if they could take him right now, like I bet you there would be 10 teams that would jump at the chance to take him in the first round last weekend. And uh, he ends up coming back um, for the 2023 season and not enters the draft. Notably was on Dane Brugler of that, of the athletics mid season uh, top five prospects in the country uh, behind Bryce Young, Will Anderson, I believe it was Miles Murphy of Clemson and uh, Jalen Carter. All four of those players went in the first round, and then I think three of them went in the top five or ten. Yeah, Olu is in is in rare company, but it's not just him. This is a really deep group uh, that Penn State's going to have, uh, you know, powering them throughout the twenty twenty three season. Yeah, and just uh, I, I did take a quick peek. Uh, Dane Brugler's 2024 draft early. They're all doing it, right? But his, he's got Olu going number three overall. I know it. Hey, and I know I get it. It's May 3rd, right? But <laughs> I do remember, Johnny, I don't know. I don't remember if you were still covering Penn State for the collegiate, but uh, after the 2014 season, um, 
they I think they had Christian Hackenberg going number one overall, or at some point they did. Like for like he was a future number one pick, and it just it didn't pan out. I feel a lot better about Olu uh, than I do about Christian. Not that Christian, you know, Christian was a second round pick, but Olu, man, I think after Caleb Williams and maybe Marvin Harrison, the line maybe the line will start with Penn State's left tackle. He's not the only one, and he's going to have to back it up again this year. He's going to be a little bit more of a marked man. I don't know if that's possible with the way that he plays, but teams are aware of what he can do, and they're going to be doing some things probably to try and cause him at least some problems. I know he can get better as a run blocker, but as a pass blocker, I thought the most telling thing really was not so much what Dane Brugler said to you about him last fall, but when you went out to the Combine to preview the guys in this year's draft, a lot of really good defensive players remembered Olu, and he's only been on the scene for really, you know, he started one game in 2021. It was the Outback Bowl, and he started eight games in 2022. And they played some good teams. A lot of a lot of players remembered him. And to me, that I think actually said more about his talent than maybe even what Dane Brugler thought. Yeah, you mentioned that at the combine. Uh, that was one where you know, they bring out defensive ends and tackles for interviews at their at their own podiums and. I just thought it was a good opportunity to ask, you know, whoever went up against Olu or maybe had watched him on film uh, that season to kind of assess his game. And a lot of these guys don't know name, like players by names, they know them by numbers. So I'm like, all right, yeah, number 74 from Penn State. And I just remember Derek Hall, the, the edge rusher from Auburn. The edge rusher from Auburn, Derek Hall, ends up telling me, like, yeah, I don't know why, you know, he decided to go back to school. That dude's amazing. And he got similar praise from the other players as well at, in Indianapolis. It felt like Olu should have been there because he is that talented. And yeah, you mentioned Dane uh, had him going number three overall in his early 2024 mock. That's pretty consistent. Uh, I took a look at uh, some of the other mocks around, uh, you know, around the draft community, USA Today, Yahoo, uh, the Draft Network, Pro Football Focus, all had Olu going in the top six. Um, overall, and again, a lot can change. But well, you know what doesn't really change is size. You know, it doesn't <laughs> change his like instincts as a left tackle. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, quarterback can be a fickle position because you're you know depending on you know everyone else doing their job. But when it comes down to a left tackle doing his job, it's really you know one on one or sometimes one on two. And Olu has just he's passed every test. And like you said, he can he can get a little bit better in the run game. But man, when you're that good in the pass game and you're that imposing, and you you don't you allow I think one quarterback hit on like 300 pass snaps last year, and he's only going to get better. So really excited to see what kind of strides uh, he takes, and you know fingers crossed he stays healthy. Um, should be a top five, at least a top ten pick next year. Look, this list that we have is is going to be pretty long, and there's I think there's some really interesting players because the, 2023 is going to be a pivot year for them. I mean they could. They could ascend. They could stay the same. They could be, for whatever reason, just okay. And it's going to impact if they want to come out and if they do come out, if they have to come out, where they're going to go. But let's before we get to them, let's just talk about two other players that I think the Penn State fan base, it's, it's, it's kind of like a pr- Captain Obvious, right? Kalen King, the corner, who is going to be in his third year, and another third-year player who spent his first year at Maryland, transferred to Penn State, in 2022, had a great year and is is bigger and stronger, probably meaner and faster, meaner in a good way. But Chop Robinson, those guys, both those guys I've seen in in uh, first round mocks. Again, they're mocks, right? 
Um, and as far as like box go, other than Dane Brugler's, I don't take anyone else's really that serious because I think everyone copies. It's like copying the A plus students homework. You know what I mean? I think they're taking their lead from Dane. I, I do think leg- legitimately talent wise, Kalen and possibly Chop could be first round guys. Yeah, I think so too. And you look at the production that Kalen King had last year. The storyline was, hey, everyone is throwing away from Joey Porter Jr. It's like, well, you're you're throwing at an arguably better corner. Like, I mean, if you look at the the coverage stats and all that kind of stuff, and then just the eye the eye test too. Obviously, love what Joey Porter Jr. is as a player, and I still think he probably should have gone in the first round. But Kalen King could very well end up in the first round too next year, and uh, Joey has recognized that too. Um, you know, even at the combine at pro day. He was asked about Kalen King, and both times he said, you know, he's a future CB1. He's a guy that, you know, teams like, you know, scouts and coaches have asked Joey Porter uh, about uh, Kalen King during their uh, interviews and film sessions and stuff during the pre-draft process. So there's already some early buzz around him. Uh, And you know what? When you have 21, you know, passes defended in a season, third most in the country, um, and one of the best, if not the best, uh, coverage grade in single coverage uh, per pro football focus, you're going to have a lot of buzz around you. And Bob, you know, we talked about, you know, potentially driving out to Detroit for the NFL draft, Michigan native, Kalen King. Kind of lining up, right? It's kind of lining up. Wouldn't that be a story, right? For for him to maybe, you know, attend the draft and, and, you know, be a first round pick. And even if he ends up not being a first round pick, like some NFL teams can be really happy uh, when they end up with Kalen King, because boy, is he a really good player. And, same with Chop Robinson, too. And just the rise that, that he's made, it's been meteoric over the last year. Because think about it, you know, last April, he committed to Penn State. And it's not like he's just like under the radar, like two-star prospect or something. He was a five-star that decided to go to Maryland and decided that he needed a fresh start. And uh, for him to hit the ground running as fast as he did, uh, I believe he was second and third on the team in sacks and tackles for loss and among the best in the country in pass rushing grade. Uh, his effectiveness, his ability to disrupt the passer, uh, even if he's not, you know, even if he didn't finish with a sack, he was always just kind of living in the heads of tackles and quarterbacks uh, in the Big Ten last year, and I expect him to uh, to do the same. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different, and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. Blue-white breakdown. We're talking about Lions in the 2024 draft. We'll be in Motown. That, that'll be a pretty interesting environment. But, John, I was just thinking, as we continue to build off this list, another logical player that I don't think there's any question he, sh- he should go and go pretty high is another defensive end, Adisa Isaac, um, who was a member of the 2019 recruiting class. Um, you know, had to overcome an Achilles uh, injury, significant, rounded into form last year, got better, I thought, as the year went on. But I guess what I wanted to bring up is if there's any doubt that either Olu or Chop or uh, Adisa are going to get better, just think about the practice field at Penn State. Like, there's there's no days off, man. These guys are going to be going against each other in August and in September, probably not as hard in September, right? But you know, Ola's going to have to deal with those two, and then he's going to have to deal with Denai Dennis Sutton. So he's definitely going to get better. And I think, you know, the same goes for all these defensive ends, because if if Dane's right and it, and Olu's as good as we think he is, like, 
what kind of test are they going to face in the fall that's going to be you know any tougher than going against that guy in practice? The cliche that players and coaches love to lean on, Bob, you know this as well as I do, is the iron sharpens iron. And sometimes when you hear it, you roll your eyes or you know whatever. It's just used so much. But this is seriously an iron sharpen iron situation when it comes to Olu Fashanu and then these defensive ends in practice, whether they're working in the summer uh, on their own or in training camp in August, you know, obviously did a little bit there in, in spring ball. And yet I think also what, what will get chop and Adisa to raise their levels as well is deny pushing them for snaps behind them. Uh, because we saw in the spring game and we saw on tape, even going back to high school, what kind of player he was and is, you know, he's going to be one to watch for the 2025 NFL draft. Oh uh, yeah. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, but that's going to be, that's going to be something 2025. Exactly. And so when you have a player like that who played a role last year, will play a big role this year, and James Franklin and the staff use him as a third starter. But when you've got a hungry young player like that with that kind of talent pushing you, if you're a Deesa Isaac, the only thing you can do is get better. The only thing you can push your all you can do is push yourself more. Uh, I think that'll really help him because he's already an NFL guy, in my opinion. I don't know where he kind of lands in like the Hey, is he day two? Is he early day three? Like, what kind of what kind of prospect will he be? But we know he's a really good player, um, and he'll be you know playing on Sundays as long as he stays healthy. Because you mentioned the Achilles injury, and that's just one thing he can't afford. And you know, it's just some bad luck uh, with another injury like that. So hopefully, he stays healthy. He's all good uh, because man, those those three DNs rotating together, like again, testing Olufashanu and testing themselves uh, throughout the summer and into the fall. He might have a bigger ceiling than, than a lot of people realize because I did feel like the further he got removed from that injury and the rehab went better, like the more comfortable he got, the more he trusted, you know, his base. But also you look at a decent, you're like, well, why do you, why are you guys so high? And we'll just think about the depth chart he had to climb since he got to Penn State before the injury. He was dealing with like, you know, Odafe, Owe, Achaka, Tony. I think, you know, I, you know, when he, as a freshman, I think Yitor Gross Matos was on that roster. It, it was just, you know, it was tough sledding just to even get noticed on the practice field with that kind of defensive end room. You know, not, not that the field is clear by any means now, but I think he is hungry. He is motivated. He knows what's in front of him. I think he feels a lot better about where he is physically. And I, I, think, I think this is going to be one of the more motivated players on Penn State's team. And I think he may, obviously, he could have left, but I think he definitely made the right decision to come back because I think he knows if he can if he can play 12 or 13 games like he played the last six games of 2022, I think he's really going to help himself. I think so too. And I think he's just another one of the guys on the defense uh, that could really will hear their names called uh, this time next year because – you look at defensive tackle, there's some opportunity there, not necessarily guarantees. You know, Hakeem Beeman, Kaziah Izzard, maybe Devon Elise. Um In the secondary, we talked about Kalen King. Opposite him, uh, Johnny Dixon is just an underrated player uh, coming over from South Carolina a couple of years ago as a transfer. And the impact that he made last year um, as its third corner and filling in a lot too when Joey Porter uh, ended up missing time towards the end of the season. I think he's going to be a draftable player. Keaton Ellis, potentially a, a veteran um, safety who you know just recently be, you know, really became a starting safety like this past season. 
was his first year really getting into that position in, in an in a advanced role. So if he takes another step uh, under Anthony Poindexter, I think that could be that could be in play. Yeah, and then unless I'm missing anyone, uh, Curtis Jacobs. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, uh, to me, I think Johnny Dickens, Dixon's, Dixon's an interesting guy to watch. I'm curious to see who is going to replace Joey as the field corner to the wide side of the field. You know, you, you can make the argument that I, I believe that Kalen's was the boundary corner a lot of the times. but And I think they put Joey on the field and just said, come get him if you want him. And a lot of teams avoided him other than Purdue. But Johnny can handle himself. Um, you mentioned Keaton Ellis. But, yeah, to me, the guys that really – that uh, I think Johnny's an interesting guy. Curtis Jacobs for sure and those two tight ends. Like, I think – you know, I do think that uh, assuming they're both play in the fall, that those are guys that are – going to test very well and you saw in this draft you don't have to have super flashy flashy numbers as a receiver if you if you catch between 30 and 40 passes but can you can show up you can show up as a blocker right look what it did for Brenton Strange look what it did for a couple other guys look for a couple look at a couple of pass catchers that kind of fell because they really couldn't block I, I just think that these guys are probably going to be more valued on the at the next level by, by teams that are really hungry for, you know, guys who will be active in the running game. So, yeah, Curtis, Tyler Warren, Theo Johnson, just your thoughts on those three and how you kind of see them going into what should be their final – well, it's definitely Curtis's, I think, final year, but what about the other two? Yeah, I like Curtis, and I like what he – kind of how he grew last season. I just remember being out at the Rose Bowl and talking to Manny Diaz and asking him about Curtis, and he couldn't stop talking about, you know, how much – of a cerebral player he had become, uh, the different roles that he had to take on uh, to help uh, facilitate getting Abdul Carter on the field more, um, you know, just changing positions, changing responsibilities. Uh, and then you match that with the athleticism and the speed he has at linebacker. Like he has even more plays to make than what he made, all, than what he's made already. Uh, I think his best football is ahead of him, which for him is great because he's already played pretty good ball for Penn State. And so, uh, having that understanding already, you know, is also kind of invaluable between him and Abdul, uh, and then you know, whoever's in the middle, Kobe King or, or Tyler Elston. But knowing you know your role and, and understanding your, your the guys you're working off of going into the year two, I think helps you play more free, uh, more freely uh, at linebacker. So I like Curtis. Uh, the tight ends, uh, yeah, like you, Theo Johnson in the news recently for not the best uh, thing, you know, getting in a fight at a frat and breaking someone's $500 sunglasses, apparently. Uh, so that's not, that's not ideal. Penn State said that they'll handle it. And uh, so we'll see if any kind of suspension or repercussions come from that. Uh, but, you know, if he's on the field in fall, which he, he should be like, whether it's a, maybe a, some kind of suspension or whatever, he is a really, really talented player. Uh, he is a, is a phenomenal pass catcher. Uh, great speed for his size at six foot five, six foot six, uh, and you know had at least one catch at twenty five yards in six of Penn State's final seven games of last season. He's a threat down the field, and he's a player that you could see Drew Aller targeting a lot uh, this upcoming season, especially with a little bit of uncertainty at wide receivers. So, Joe Johnson has a real chance uh, to improve his stock as as a as a uh, as a draft asset, as a guy that could be in the NFL. Uh, this time next year. Yeah, and and as far as Tyler goes, you know, I know that he didn't play. I was, I think, primarily a quarterback in high school, but I, I do think I've seen Tyler improve every year 
He's been at Penn State. He's added some weight. <clears throat> He's definitely comfortable as a tight end. He can block. Uh, they're not afraid to put him in the uh, in that T formation either. But they're looking for a lead dog in the tight end room, right? They they definitely are. It's going to be either it's going to be one of those two, um, and it just depends on how it plays out. But I could see Tyler taking a pretty big jump this year too. Um, I think Theo, everyone sees Theo as, as a receiver. I think he's, he's got a little bit, little bit more to him as a blocker, but both those guys, they're not quite carbon copies of each other, but they're physically, they're both what six, six, five, six, six, about two fifty, And that's, that's right in the uh, NFL's wheelhouse. Theo ran four, five, one over a year ago. So that will, if he does anywhere close to that, he'll, he'll be on the radar. But I do think, those guys have shown they're not afraid to stick their nose in there, whereas some other tight ends who can who, who are athletic weren't able to do that, and it showed up. I thought uh, for some of them on on draft day, but yeah, I think they're they're fascinating, and I also think that um, two players I wanted to talk about for different reasons, but that are that are guys that I like, I think they they can really um, help themselves this year for different reasons. One. One's Keandre Lambert-Smith, the wideout. The other is a guy that's not even at Penn State yet, Dante Cephas. And I know it's a projection. You know, he hasn't even practiced once. But, man, here's a guy that was a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous player in the MAC. And the MAC's a legit league now. And he caused a lot of problems for uh, for some pretty good uh, secondaries, whether it was a non-conference game or what have you. But if those two both come out firing – you know, and I'm deliberately so there's some third year guys or some fourth year guys that I'm kind of I didn't mention. I wrote about it. I just feel like they just haven't shown enough yet. So if they have one one nice year, it won't be enough. But I mean, I feel like Cephas has the tape. Keandre has some tape from the Rose Bowl. And those are two guys that I think that at the very least, they're, I th- I'm sure Dante is. But I, I think even Keandre has got to be thinking a little bit about the NFL. Absolutely. And you mentioned that they have the tape. They have the opportunity. They have the chance to be the number one wide receiver in the offense of one of the best teams in the country. And that kind of exposure, that kind of visibility uh, that, that that it brings from the NFL draft community, I mean, that's it's invaluable uh, for Keandre Lambert-Smith or Dante Cephas um, if they both play up to their potential and up to their standards. Because, you know, we've seen Dante Cephas do it at a slightly lower level in, in the MAC. Some good football, like you said, being played, but it's still not. It's not the Big Ten. Nineteen hundred yards over two years is good in any league, uh, and and you watch what he's done to Power Five teams and non conference games. Uh, you can project, and you can see a world in which Dante Cephas comes in and you know goes for nine hundred receiving yards, uh, eight hundred, nine hundred receiving yards. You could see that happen. You could see Keandre Lambert Smith become one of the best downfield threats uh, in the Big Ten in the country. Uh, because we've seen it, you know, in the Rose Bowl, we've seen it in spurts here and there. Uh, we know that he's got speed and his route running is nice. Um, he just got to do it a little bit more consistently. And James Franklin, that was one thing that he harped on throughout spring ball. I remember asking him, what next step do you need to see from Keandre Lambert Smith? And he said he needs to be a number one guy. He needs to be the dude. And if Keandre Lambert Smith is able to do that, then he will be an NFL draft prospect this time, you know, next year. Um, if he is the third guy again, if he doesn't take that step, then we're having a different conversation. But yeah, you mentioned there's some other guys in there. Like, you know, I don't know, like if Caden Wallace has a really good season, if, you know, Hunter, you got Hunter Norzat, but like Daquan Hardy, um, 
Wormley's an interesting one. I think. Yeah, I think he he's one of the. I was going to mention you. I was going to mention him and Wallace to you before we uh, wrap this up. I think Daquan Hardy. I would never count a guy like Daquan Hardy out because he's a guy that plays bigger than his size. He plays. He plays the. He plays the. You know, nickel corner. You don't have to be a gigantor uh, to play, and he's he could probably help on special teams. So I would not count out a guy like him. You know, John Reed wasn't much bigger than him, and I think that I think there's some value there. But as far as physical specimens, Sal Wormley and Caden Wallace, you know, when they first got to Penn State, I think I would have said, "How are these guys not going to be in the NFL for whatever reason?" And here we are. I think Wormley is trending in a much better direction than Caden is right now, only because I think Wormley's got a role. And Caden really doesn't just yet. So those two guys, to me, I think uh, are going to be interesting to watch. And uh, I think they have NFL – I think uh, they definitely have NFL talent, but it's going to be what do they do with the spotlight on them. Yeah, I'll say this too. Even though there, you know, he has more positional flexibility so you understand it, if you told me last April that Juice Scruggs would be a second-round pick yeah. – yeah, I don't think any. I don't think many people would really believe that, and that's not knocking Juice Scruggs by any means. It's just like, you know, you you don't see that kind of kind of future for some of these guys on the offensive line. You don't know until they are required to step up into a major leadership role, be flexible with you know injuries around them, and prove prove themselves time after time after time. And that's what Juice Scruggs did. A credit to him, and and um, it was great to see him go as early as he did. Um, but we're sitting here and there's a, there's a handful of these guys that, you know, maybe they're going to be surprising late second round picks, uh, next year. And we don't see that right now, but that's what, that's what summer's for. That's what the season's for. And the pre-draft process, bottom line, Penn State's going to have a lot of guys get picked unless there's just like an injury crisis across the entire team. Uh, and it all gets pushed off to 2025 because there are so many talented dudes on this team. And then there's a reason why there's a lot of hype both internal and external, local, regional, national, around this uh, program. And, uh, yeah, it's because they got pretty damn good players, and there's a lot of them. Yeah, and I wrote I wrote something about that, I think, on Sunday. I mentioned, I think, there's pretty much all the guys we talked about. But I just know, Johnny, I know we're going to wrap this up, and Harrison Wallace is going to have the breakout year at Whiteout. And Zaki Wheatley, who's at, I think is entering his third year, is going to be, like, the, the, the next the – next ball hawk, Jair Brown-like player at Penn State. And I was like, you know what? They really haven't done it yet, but I, I, I just couldn't pull the trigger on those two because then I was like, well, you can't mention them all. But those two, I feel like athletically, I'm just going to mention them at the, end of the, <laughs> at the end of this podcast so I can say that I did because they're both freaks too. Yeah, I was going to say, let's just rattle off the roster. At this point. <laughs> Didn't mention Kobe King. Yeah, nope. Yeah, so, yeah. I mentioned Kalen's good. Forgot the Kobe, about the Kobe King breakout. But what we're really talking about, Johnny, is this this roster is good to go. It really is. And a lot's going to hinge on the quarterback play. Um, but I'm telling you, you look around the field at just about every position, uh, even on the offensive line, regardless of what David Polak, Polak thinks, whatever his name is. But Pollock. Pollock. <laughs> these guys are – They've closed ground in a hurry, and there's some issues, I think, throughout the Big Ten. And the way this team, the way this team finished, they could have 12 guys drafted this next year. They could have eight. They could have 14 or 15. That is how talented this roster potentially is. Absolutely. I agree 100%. One small thing uh, before we go, Bob, that I wanted to mention. So I've been told by a couple people that I'm pronouncing the Wisconsin town 
wrong. The, 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 the town that is um, that has Catholic memorial in it, it's not Waukesha. It's Waukesha. Oh, I believe I'm saying I that. Say Waukesha. Waukesha. And if I'm saying that wrong again, someone, you know, just the, the, the chief says that the, the, the couple of them that have reached out to me, let me know. I think I think I got that down. now. There's only one way to find out. You and I need to go to Madison, Wisconsin on Penn Live's time, spend like a week mingling with people, whether it's in taverns or restaurants or roaming the streets. We'll get we'll get it all down because it's become Penn State West, right? State College West. So that way we're going to get all the pronunciations right. And in a couple of years, when all these guys are stars, we're going to have an in just because. Our bosses were kind enough to send us on an all-expense paid trip out there for like one week. So the minute we're done with this podcast, I think we're going to have to reach out to some of the higher ups. And I'm sure I'm sure they'll have no problem with us doing that. But I'm glad hey, at the very least you're trying to you're trying to get it right. It took me three years to get Veyu right. Then he left. And then I was calling him Christian Veyor right before he left. And then it was Veyu all along. And I felt like a bigger idiot than I normally am. Look, Bob, I'm just I'm still stuck on the idea of getting State Street brats for like a day expense on the company dime. So let's let's do that. Let's plan on that. All right, Johnny. Good talking with you. Good luck to your Sixers. And we'll be back next week to talk about Penn State football. This has been the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Penn Live.